Hi, this is Steve Addison for the Movements Podcast, the podcast for people who want to multiply disciples and churches everywhere. Over the next few sessions, we're going to be hearing from Nathan Shank as we rediscover the core missionary task in Scripture, as we engage reaching empty fields, sowing the seed of the gospel, making disciples, forming churches and multiplying leaders to the glory of God until we've reached every people and every place. Hello, my name is Nathan Shank, and it's my privilege to welcome you to the self-discovery series that we're beginning today and will carry on for a number of weeks. You know, this series is designed for you and your disciples. We hope to challenge you to discover the missionary task in the pages of the New Testament. For that matter, this series is designed around a, a set of simple questions and studies that we hope, when asked of Scripture, will allow you, and, and we believe, lead you to foundational principles and practices in mission. The truth is, uh, we've been imagining and, and working from these same studies for many years. We've been imagining this series, this opportunity to connect you as well, to empower you to reproduce these studies with those you would gather, with your disciples, with your church, in a variety of settings. These studies are designed to be mobile. They could take place in your living room. They could take place wherever your church might gather. They could take place as you go making disciples, even one-on-one with a new believer. I want to offer you today as we get started four objectives very clearly for this series. Those objectives are, one, define your core convictions. Two, focus on biblical priorities. Three, examine assumptions and traditions. Four, equip you as a disciple maker. That I want to offer you is that this series might help define your core convictions in missionary practice. You realize that biblical mission recorded in the New Testament, it defines for us essentials uh, related to the tenets of the gospel. Or for that matter, key results, as I said, in disciple making. You realize that the pages of the New Testament also set the bar, the expectations that Christ has for his bride, the gathered church. So as an objective, this series would be defined, would help you define those core convictions as you study with your disciples. As a second objective, I'll just offer you that we desire, we hope that this series assists you uh, to focus on biblical priorities. With so many opportunities, with so many even books related to the missionary task that have emerged in the in the last century, uh, the truth is there's a there's a menu of options and today uh, topics or objectives uh, goals that might be defined as mission. Uh, Stephen Neal in the last century famously said, "When everything is mission, then nothing is mission." So how and where do we focus and find priorities from the Word that would shape? Our objectives shape our priorities in biblical mission. We trust then in that examination that our objectives, our priorities would would align with the priorities we see in Scripture. My third objective is that we want to examine uh, existing assumptions and traditions. You know that over time, in, in any church setting, in any ministry setting, 
one generation's preferences might in the next generation become assumptions. It might be assumed that this is the way ministry or mission is done. For that matter, another generation may take the preferences and assumptions that they've been handed and create traditions out of those preferences. Well, part of our purpose, one of our objectives, as we examine the Scripture together, beyond priorities, beyond those convictions that come in our heart, is actually the examination of such tradition. We would hope that our fidelity to practice is defined in the New Testament, beyond even uh, our ministry or our church tradition. Again, that we might, uh, we might measure our practice of missions against even first century examples. And finally, as a, as a fourth objective, we hope and trust that this series will equip you as a disciple maker. Uh, simple, reproducible studies, uh, a means by which you might go out and invest the Word of God into the hearts of your own disciples, new believers, or for that matter, those pre-existing believers you hope to mobilize or that may even be considering a conviction, a calling to mission. In each of these cases then, even more important than gathering and watching these videos, these self-discovery studies that they platform, our hope is that you might find a simple means to reproduce the study of the Scriptures face-to-face, live, in real time with your disciples. If these objectives are met, we trust that God will be glorified. Convictions in your heart, practices evaluated, biblical priorities identified and examined. For that matter, that you'd be equipped all the more as a disciple maker, making use of the sword, the word of God, and the hand of his spirit. Thank you for joining. We trust as you go forward, you'll be blessed just as we are. Now for session one, defining the missionary task. Well, again, it's my privilege to welcome you to the self-discovery series. This is the first of our self-discovery studies that we hope and trust you'll put to work with your disciples, with your church or ministry, wherever you find yourself today. But today, as we begin this series, we want to take time to define and understand, to look into the pages of Scripture, to define the missionary task. Can you imagine now? Uh, finding yourself living cross-culturally amidst a culture and a language that is totally foreign. Can you imagine in that setting being completely surrounded by lostness, by barriers to the gospel that must be crossed for the Great Commission disciple-making to take place? The truth is, that's where my wife, Carrie, and I have found ourselves since our youth. My name is Nathan Shank, and I'm on mission in South Asia. In such a setting, where would you begin? How would you not find yourself overwhelmed defining the work with so many opportunities around you to meet human needs or, for that matter, to engage lostness? How and where do you determine priorities? You can imagine in that setting that you would do well to run to the pages of the New Testament. As you know, that's the purpose of this series, and today it's our privilege, it's our opportunity to go and to look into Acts chapter 13 and see for ourselves the priorities of these missionaries sent out from Antioch. 
As you turn there to Acts 13, you'll read in verse number 1 that there in the church of Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Now, five names are listed for us there from diverse backgrounds. Among them, Barnabas and also Saul. In verse number 2, Acts 13 tells us that there the Holy Spirit chose to speak right there to the bride, to the leaders of that Antioch church, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. Now this term, the work, for someone at the ends of the earth, someone living cross-culturally, pursuing priorities and trying to identify the task of mission, amidst so much lostness, you can imagine the first time we took note of that passage. The same Spirit of God, the one promised in Acts 1.8, who would deliver not only power, but would enable those disciples to be witnesses even to the ends of the earth, is here in Acts 13, initiating, defining, and for that matter, in the following chapters, empowering the work of mission for these sent ones, Barnabas, Saul, also called Paul. If you've got your finger there in Acts 13, turn one page to Acts 14. Look at verse 26, because here at the end of this first, what we call the first missionary journey, Luke actually offers us a literary device, a way of setting brackets around Paul and Barnabas's journey and challenging his readers, that is, the, the writer Luke, expecting his readers to consider these two chapters, what we call the first journey, as a single textual unit. Acts 14.26 says that they set sail from Italia, that is, Barnabas and now Saul called Paul, and they returned to Antioch where they'd been commended to the grace of God, look at it, for the work they had now fulfilled, completed, accomplished. In this case, Luke has put brackets around the first journey. Acts 13, 2, the work the Spirit commissioned is in 14, 26, the work that had now been fulfilled, completed, accomplished. This is a literary device. This is Luke saying, read this section together. For someone in their youth, for someone living cross-culturally, even chasing the calling and commissioning of the Lord to the ends of the earth, I'll tell you the joy in coming to the reality here. The gospel writer Luke, the, the recorder of, inspired recorder of the book of Acts, puts brackets around a section of Scripture called the work and defines for us, offers in its example, the example of Barnabas and Paul, some priorities that we might consider. Take a pause to just refocus for a second. As you read with your disciples, Acts 13 and 14, the work of mission as initiated, empowered, and defined, led by the very Spirit of God. The same work described as completed by Barnabas and Saul upon their return. The question for us is simple. What was the work that Barnabas and Saul called Paul put their hand to accomplish? By the time they returned to Antioch, the question is, what had been accomplished? What had they seen the Lord do? And how had they stewarded the opportunities of mission that the Spirit initiated and led? I want you to take time 
with your disciples to this end. Read these two chapters together, and let's ask and pursue, self-discover, answers to this very simple question. What was the work that had been accomplished? As you spent time in Acts 13 and 14 with your disciples, did you see patterns repeated? Did you see priorities there in the hearts and minds of Barnabas and Saul? And for that matter, as you consider what had been accomplished, we trust as you as we have would see certain things, certain priorities emerge from these two chapters that we might actually define and consider the work of mission. It's clear, first of all, whether crossing language barriers, uh, engaging the ethne, the Gentiles, over and over again, or for that matter, simply going to pioneering towns and cities there in the northern Mediterranean province of Galatia, that Paul and Barnabas itinerated. They cared greatly about engaging empty fields, whether peoples or places, Languages among the ethne, the Gentiles, you see again and again that where they continue to itinerate. And so the very first of these priorities would be that they entered empty fields. And everywhere they went, they, in fact, nine times in these two chapters, the gospel is preached, the word of the Lord, the word of the Lord repeated constantly on their lips. In every setting, it seems they sowed the seed of the gospel. It wasn't enough that they sowed the seed. In fact, beginning at the end of chapter 13 and carrying on into chapter 14, you realize that four times the word disciple appears. That the fruit of that seed sowing evidently were new believers, those who would be called followers of Christ, just as they were. And so even returning to places they'd been persecuted, their goal, their objective included strengthening disciples, encouraging that they must remain true to the one who had called them. We also see uh, as another point of clarity, as another priority, that wherever disciples were gathered, it was necessary that they return and there find churches. Acts 14.23 tells us this that in those churches left in the wake of their itinerant mission, even as they returned to those churches, that they were appointing elders in every church, Acts 14.23. In which case, not only were they engaging empty fields and sowing the seed, they were nurturing new believers, those disciples. They had cut and bundled those disciples into churches, and from those gathered churches from the harvest of that seed sowing, disciple making, leaders were emerging from the new fields. The elders, as we see in 1423, presumably necessary as a flock had been gathered, shepherds were appointed. Shepherds that even emerged from among the Galatian churches. Well, in, as we go forward in a series, this missionary task the matter of engaging empty fields, what we call entry strategy. Who do we share with? Secondly, as we go about sowing the seed of the gospel, you realize that we're going to need to examine what is that biblical gospel? What is right response to that gospel? And how might that seed sowing be multiplied in the fields that you engage? As a priority for biblical mission, 
beyond entry and gospel, how do we nurture the new growth? Discipleship, even returning to places that had, where they'd been persecuted to strengthen the disciples. Those disciples were gathered into churches. No, the harvest wasn't left in the field. In fact, it was cut. It was bundled together. The New Testament churches, there were the source of leaders, shepherds, who would gather and, and, and shepherd that flock even after the disciples, even after the missionaries, Barnabas and Saul, had departed. We can read on in the narrative of Acts and the accounting that Luke provides us and see that from these same fields, in fact, from the church of Lystra, Lystra not only shepherds for the flock, but by chapter 16, a young man named Timothy who will join Paul as a sent one, even going to the adjacent fields, moving on into an, in itinerance to the next empty field. In which case, leaders that gather and shepherd the flock, but also a generation of sent ones who would go with Paul and multiply the missionary task, even in districts like Macedonia, the second missionary journey. We trust that you see these priorities. We trust, as we describe them in this series, our pursuit, our desire is that fidelity to biblical practice would flavor, would, would allow us, cause us to examine our tools, the principles we employ, and for that matter, our own disciple-making, our own mobilization in each of these components of the missionary task so that we also might multiply, that our disciples, even Galatians, might join us in the missionary task. I'll offer you one more encouragement. As we consider this missionary task, there will always be opportunity to go deeper. So if, in fact, we've identified priorities for the missionary work, that the task of mission, then we would see these same priorities repeated, continue to, to come to the surface in Paul's subsequent missionary journeys. If you'd like to go deeper with your disciples, I challenge you to that task. Read on in the book of Acts. Look at this, what we call the second and the third missionary journey. Watch and see if these same priorities don't emerge and, and demonstrated again and again in, the, in Paul's own ministry. Finally, I'll just ask you, in the matter of engaging empty fields, in the matter of seed sowing, disciple making, or gathering and cutting and bundling that harvest into new churches, even in the matter of leadership development, which one today is the strength of your ministry? Where is your church engaged? Where are your disciples being mobilized and equipped? In all these ways, the missionary task is, needs to be a priority, and for that matter, it needs to be multiplied even to the ends of the earth. God bless you today, and we'll see you again soon. Well, that's been the introduction and first session of Nathan Shank's series on discovering the missionary task. In our next episode, he'll cover engaging empty fields. Let me encourage you to work through this material as a team, and you may find it helpful to do that by uh, visiting the movements.net website and following the links to Nathan's YouTube channel.